You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. He's Greg. I'm Nick. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at, of course, Athletic Greens. One-stop shopping, 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right, and also betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. And Greg, we start at the quarterback position today. I I was reading some of your notes, and I I felt – a familiar feeling as I was watching the game on Sunday, as you explained how you felt to describe how you felt watching the game. So what you thought you saw on TV and live as well versus what you saw on the film, how did you feel walking away about Mac Jones on Sunday? So this uh, MetLife was one of these rare stadiums, uh, away stadiums where my antenna actually worked and I could watch the game, at least the, the TV broadcast on delay from the live game, which is good because you can see the play on the field and you can look down at the TV monitor and, and see what's going on. Um, so I was able to do a little bit of both. Uh, so I felt I was better positioned in real time to sort of judge what was going on. And I got to tell you, my feeling watching the game live, watching on TV, the way I was viewing it is – I did not think Mac Jones played well. I thought he was really sped up. I thought he was making poor decisions. I thought that um, I was cursing Bill Belichick a little bit for, you know, see, this is why you should have played him for a full half against the Bears <laughs> to, to, to get him up to speed for this um, because uh, this was a different challenge, this Jets defense altogether. The Bears defense is good. This one's really good. And – you know, I'm watching it. I'm just like, I I just felt like he couldn't get control of what was going on. And he just couldn't settle down and string a bunch of plays together. And my feeling was that, yeah, there was a lot of pressure, but it was really, Max should be doing better with this. And then the pick six happened. And regardless of the penalty, which it was a legit penalty, the the penalty didn't factor into the play. And actually Holly said something on TV last night that I, I agree with that. If, if the penalty doesn't happen in the course of the play, then it should be a dead ball foul. Like it's the play's over like really. And I mean, technically it's not, but anyways, that's a whole different topic, but including the pick six. And I was just thinking, Oh my God, they are they going to pull them? 
Uh, all right, maybe one series in the third quarter, and then Bill goes to Zappy. I just think I, I thought at that point Mac Jones was way too sped up from the from the pressure, and this happens. This is a real thing. I know people want to think that I invent these things or what, but I'm telling you, after over 20 years of watching this, I'm telling you this is real. Too much pressure, quarterbacks can't come back from. I don't care who. The quarterback is. I don't care if it's Mahomes. I don't care if it's Brady. We've seen Brady. This game reminded me a lot of Tom Brady against the Betts Rex Ryan's defenses. Mm. Different looks, pressure. He's seeing ghosts. He's ducking in the pocket. It reminded me a little bit of that in real time. And, uh, you know, with the pick six, I was like, oh my God, I don't know where he's throwing that to me live watching it. It was like, he just saw a figure and just threw it. Cause he knew he was about to get hit again. And I was just like, he's, he's toast. He can't come back from this pressure. So that's what I thought in real time. what did you think after uh, watching the film? Did, did, did your, did that change your uh, thoughts and feelings? So and this is why I watch the film. There's no sound. There's no announcers. Um, you just get the above view um, sort of sideways of the field. So you see the quote unquote, all 22 players. And then you get behind, you see the, the offensive line, basically just outside the, the tackle boxes. And the way I watch film, I've, I've mentioned it before, but basically every play is, is a game unto itself. You know, there are winners and losers like, you know, was it a first of all, was it a successful play for the Patriots? And if it was, who deserves the credit? Who made the play? Was it a really nice called play? Was it really nice blocked individual effort? What have you? If it's a bad play, then it's you go back to the crux of it. Um, you know, who was at fault? And that's what I do. And then at the end of the day, I say, well, this guy just did better than he was required on this play and, and that's a plus or he didn't do his job and it led to a negative play or a not a good play or a play that could have been better if it wasn't for that player. And he gets a minus. So trust me, I went into watching the film thinking, all right, I think I'm going to have to bury Mac Jones. And that's what I thought after seeing it live. Then I watched the film at the end of the first half. And with some of the context that the film delivered, including the fourth down fail and the pick six, I came away not only thinking that Mac Jones played really well uh, in that game, uh, I thought he played very well. I was very impressed with the job that he did in that game, considering all the circumstances at play. And, you know, not only did I think – you know, not only did, did I think he, he, I thought he played well, I, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, the Patriots should feel lucky that they had Mac Jones as their quarterback in this game among sort of the young quarterbacks in this league, because I'm not sure how many others could have navigated through this game. Was it perfect? No. You know, did he take sacks that he didn't need it to? Yes. Did he almost throw an interception? A couple of times, yes. One was really more of his fault. The late one in the fourth quarter over the middle, that was dumb. He knew it. He immediately hit his helmet. But on a lot of other plays, and I'm sure you know we'll talk about them, um, I thought circumstances were at play, including on the humongous pick six play, because, look, let's face it, that could have been a huge sliding doors play for that team if that flag doesn't come out, you know is Bailey Zappi put in? How well does he play? 
Does Mac Jones ever get his his job back? We'll never know because the 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 officials correctly threw the flag, and the Patriots were able to get points out of that drive instead of being down fourteen to three going into halftime. It was funny that you talked. Sorry, seventeen three. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about how you felt watching the game in the first half live because, you know, I felt like he was okay. I thought he was pretty good. I didn't think he was great watching it live. Uh, I thought he was good because of the third down situations, which we'll get into later on. But I mean, the the Patriots were facing third and 10 on average throughout the entire first half. And he somehow found ways to extend those drives. And I I think those are plays that some people will overlook. I want to ask you about though, two plays specifically first, the fourth and one, Uh, a lot of people thought he had Hunter Henry quick on that play and if he gets rid of the football, hits Henry, it's a first down, they move the chains. What did you see on that play? I, I thought just, and again, I'm a layman watching it. I felt as if Mac wasn't totally sure that Henry was ready for the football and he hadn't really made himself available yet when Mac had the opportunity to let it go. And some of it is, yes, you know, you've got to kind of lead your receiver, but I felt watching it over and over that he might not have felt like Henry was ready and available. What'd you think on the fourth and one? Um, great question. It's, it's, it was a key sort of play to me. And depending on the way you view it, you know, you could look at what Mac Jones did on that play and be like, here's another example. He's a chicken with his head cut off. He sped up with the pressure. He didn't know what to do that. So let's start with this on this play. I I like the play from Matt Patricia. Um, what I don't love about this play, this is something I would have liked to have saved until later in the season. Cause God damn, there's a lot going on in this play for a guy who hasn't <laughs> played in, in a month who they can't block the front. They have good coverage people like, so, so this is what the play is. The play is a legitimate run pass option play. And it's a, you, he has the option to give the run which he faked. So he could do that because you see Aguilar and Bourne at the bottom of the screen. They're run blocking. The line's run blocking. So those that half of the team, or more than half of the team, thinks it's going to be a run. Depending on what the end does, Mac either gives it or takes it. The end crashed, so Mac takes it around the corner. Now, after deciding that, now he's got to decide, do I just throw it to Hunter Henry in the flat or the home run play is actually Jacoby Myers coming in and what what it is Jacoby Myers comes in like he's going to set a rub for Hunter Henry and that's what the Patriots normally run in this situation it's it's a similar concept that they scored on uh the touchdown on where Hunter Henry yep. picked Jacoby Myers so not only does Mac Jones have to read the end and then pull it and then he has to decide all right am I just going to naked bootleg and get the third down which I think he had a thought of at first but then the home run play is Jacoby Myers comes in to set the pick. If the Jets sort of get crunched and there's no safety over the top, I think, and I don't know this because I'm not in the room, but I think Jacoby Myers has the has the ability to fake the pick. It's just like in basketball. Sometimes they set the pick. Sometimes they fake the pick and then roll to the basket real quick. You see it with the Celtics all the time. I think Jacoby Myers had the option if there was no safety over the top, which there wasn't, to fake the pick and roll and go deep, and it should have been a wide-open touchdown. 
That's exactly what the Patriots got. Max saw it, was waiting for Jacoby Myers to, to roll, and he didn't. Instead, he spun around, and then Mac was like, oh, crap, now what do I do? Now I don't have Hunter Henry. Now I'm just getting rid of it. That was basically yeah. that play. And so, to me, it wasn't Mac's fault. If Jacoby Myers read that play correctly, in my opinion, and I'm telling you, it's not the gospel. I could tell you that much. But what I see on film, if he fakes the pick and rolls to the hoop, they have an alley-oop to Robert Williams. You know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, it's a they great might call, even call that the big Rob. I bet you they call that the big <laughs> Rob or something. It's a, it's a great, it's a great breakdown for people to understand exactly all that goes into that play. And if you watch Mac, Mac is like waving Jacoby, like, no, go, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, go Jacoby, go. Yeah. And, and Jacoby doesn't react quick enough. The second play I wanted to ask you about, and you ju- you've mentioned it, of course, because it was a huge play momentum swinging play at the end of the first half was the almost should have been, could have been uh, maybe could have been because the flag was the flag. The pick six, uh, was that a miscommunication between Jacoby and, and Mac? Cause Mac looked like he was throwing kind of like the out route and Jacoby looked like he was sitting in and settling for that, for that little, you know, for that, for that pass. What was there a miscommunication between those two guys? What actually happened during that, you know, could have been pick six. So I saw it at, uh, as a miscommunication. I was I'm trying to find the play real quick. So maybe we can do a quick BSJ film room. Uh, I'm writing of just general area. Um, maybe I'll come to it. But anyway, so what happens is before the snap, the Jets show um, the Jets show cover that, that they're going to be in cover three. They have two deep safeties. Um, they end up, I wish I could just find it, but God damn. Anyways. Um, so basically what they do and look, this plays on BSJ like three different times. I broke it down on Monday. I, it's also in my column that I posted today where I break down, I show you my work on why I thought Mac played well in the first half. So basically what happens is. The, the Patriots come out uh, and the Jets look like they're in cover two. Okay. And they do play a lot of cover two. After the snap, uh, the Jets actually rotate into three high cover, cover three, but three high uh, defensive backs. So it's very similar. If you remember the interception that Mac threw against the Bears, and I think Troy Aikman talked about it. The, the Bears showed too high safety. Then all of a sudden they rotated to a safety on one third, another safety in the middle, and then a cornerback rotated up top. So on this play, on Myers' side, the cornerback, the, the boundary cornerback, Myers is in the slot, and I think it's Thornton, could be Aguilar on the boundary. The boundary corner rotates into a safety position. So he's going to play over the top of Thornton there. On that play, if it's cover three like that, I think, and again, I'm just giving you my impression, my opinion on this play, that if it's cover three, that means it's the the Patriots tournament, middle of the field closed. If there's a safety in the middle of the field, then that determines the routes. If it's middle of the field open, then they run a different route. 
I think before the snap, and and maybe Jacoby didn't track this during the play, he thought it was middle of the field open. And so he's basically just going to find a soft spot in the zone. Mac read it as middle of the field closed, which I think calls for Jacoby Myers to come up and go outside. Now, at the same time that, that Mac is looking for Myers to go outside, Mac does, uh, Jacoby does an inside head fake. Mac thinks it's okay. Now he's going, he's going to go out. And basically right. if he throws it to the sideline, Jacoby Myers should be open. He should be able to turn the corner and he might get a block. He might even score. Right when Max get ready to get rid of the ball and it's like, all right, which way is Jacoby going to go? And he sees him lean left. He thinks, okay, he's going. So I'm going to throw it out there. Then all of a sudden he goes to throw and he sees Jacoby. Actually, that was a head fake. He's coming back inside. And now he's like, oh, crap. Like, it's too late to really do anything with the ball. And that's why it looks like it's thrown directly to the Jets defender. So in my opinion, I could be wrong. I thought that Mac Jones read the play correctly. Look, it still might have been picked off. The cornerback was in good position. He still could have undercut it. He could have read Mac. He could have done a pick six. But in my opinion, Jacoby Myers read the coverage wrong if the Patriots are still doing some of this stuff. Um, And Mac Jones read it right, and that led to the pick six. So, you know, maybe, you know, Bill Belichick in terms of the way he talked about Mac Jones after the game, the way he talked to him on Monday after watching the film, maybe somebody told him that or right after the play where it was just like Jacoby broke the wrong way. And so that's why he had some of the nice commentary. You know, he said, I thought Mac played great after the game. So that's the way I saw that play. That's why I ask you those questions. And that's why you watch the film, because if you're watching the game live and you're especially on Twitter and you're scrolling through the Twitterverse, everybody's wondering what the hell is Max seeing? What the hell is he doing? The fourth down play. He has Hunter Henry, the pick six. That's inexcusable. How can you throw that pass? He threw it right to the jets. And here we are telling you, this is why Greg watches the film and others watch the film, because when you watch the all 22, you figure out what Mac is looking at. And it doesn't mean that he's always excused. He makes mistakes like everybody else does, but Mm -hmm. those two big plays that everybody was talking about, Greg thinks, you know, in, in, in his professional opinion, looking at the film, and especially I think you're right, the way Belichick spoke about Mac after the game and then yesterday, you know. And Mac, and, and I made it a point, uh, Stacey James had already said last question on the last question, but I made it a point. I was like, I asked, I, I asked another question because I was like, he has to be asked about the pick six. And so I asked yeah. him and Mac termed it a miscommunication. Um so that gives me further evidence. And on the TV copy, trust me, I was looking at the TV copy like everybody. Like, what the hell is he doing? How is he? Who is he throwing at? The thing is, the TV copy, they never showed an above angle. And um, you couldn't see the safeties on the play. So you weren't sure exactly what coverage the, the Jets were in. And that's why the film gives you the proper context. Yeah, I thought, Greg, you know, you, you mentioned it. If, if Greg is right then Jacoby really messed up both of those plays. He, he didn't read it correctly. And yeah, CBS, I thought with the replays, they didn't show enough of them on several plays and they didn't show good enough angles, even on the, on the McCourty pick. You couldn't really tell if he was inbounds or out of bounds. One of the two picks. All right, let's look at the offensive line. That was another part of this game. Um, and the pressure, uh, some people thought Mac held onto the football too long. Some people thought the offensive line was trash. 
I thought it was a combination of both, you know, depending on the play. But what did you see from the offensive line and that pressure they gave up consistently? It was atrocious. I mean, I had them giving up, um, I think it was 48.9% pressure. I mean, almost every other snap. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, that for, for a game that Mac Jones has started and finished or basically played the entire game, like basically taking out the Bears game, um, it was the most he's ever faced. He did face 50% pressure the week before in his three series against uh, the Bears where he was getting, you know, tossed around. Um, look, you have to consider that in this, in what you saw on Sunday, because trust me when I tell you, Tom, from watching Tom and, and going over the film, evaluating Tom, it for for pocket quarterbacks who aren't exactly comfortable, like moving around, you know, like a Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, like created pressure. He just ran around and, and could do those things. Mahomes does the same things at times. Pocket quarterbacks, once you reach, once you get into the 30s, especially the mid 30s, that's a little bit too much pressure. You're talking about like pipes could start to burst a little bit. Once you get over 40%, you're now talking about wins and losses being on the line. That if like you you can't blame, in my opinion, you're like the guy didn't have a chance. What do you expect? That's, that's why they lost the game. There were games like this for Brady. Like I said, some of the jets games, the, uh, those were a little bit more of, of coverage and, and causing Brady a bit confusion. Uh, this wasn't quite that. This was just the Patriots getting manhandled up front. They got completely manhandled, especially Cole Strange, the two right tackles, James Ferentz at times, even though overall he was, he was decent in this game, not in a running game. He can't, he can't get any movement. He's just a smaller guy. But like not having David Andrews out there, you, you pair James Ferentz and – Cole Strange together, and you're talking about two really undersized player players for their positions in the NFL. And the Jets are just they got some big, strong boys. And remember all the talk that you know we had about like, hey, look, Cole Strange looks pretty good, but I worry about him as a rookie because he's a little light in the britches against some of the bigger defensive tackles. Well, that was this game because there <laughs> were times where the Jets were just taking them and being like, excuse me, young man. Please get out of my way. I'm going to the quarterback to kill your quarterback. And that that happened at times. It was just it was untenable. So I thought you have to consider that. And, you know, for those of you who want to live in fantasy land, who want to say that Bailey Zappi is calmer, he would have dealt with this better. Like maybe on a few plays he would have. But over the course of a game, I'm sorry, but Bailey Zappi would have been in the fetal position by the second quarter. Like, you know, <laughs> sucking his thumb, calling for mommy, because this was just it, this was just uh, ridiculous. And, and, you know, in addition to that, the Patriots and this, this is some of the pressure was the Patriots invited it on themselves. And the reason I say that is because the Patriots basically went into this game with two choices to make. Do we do we go out of our way to protect Mac? And. But then we only have like two or three guys going out into routes against a team that already covers really well. Right. Like, like how are we going to move the ball then? Or do we spread things out, go more 
shotgun empty at times maybe some one back but really he's going to go out in the route they did not keep sometimes they chipped when they really wanted to play they double chipped on the end that was about the most that they did in this game sometimes they kept hunter henry in but they really decided for the most part look mac we're putting it on you if if we keep everybody in the block you're not going to have anybody to cover uh, to, to throw to at least you have a chance to do it and we're going to trust you to deal with the pressure and sort it out and get us to move the ball enough. And I think at the end of the day, I thought Mac Jones did really well that way. And that's why I say you're lucky to have him as your young quarterback, as opposed to the guy on the other sideline, because there are not many young quarterbacks, 20 plus games into their rookie uh, second season that could deal with what the Patriots did him with the pressure that was generated and play winning football. There's really not that many. A lot was on his plate. And, and Jacoby, again, if you read the film correctly, you know, miscalculated on a couple of those big swing plays that could have really cost the Patriots. But all in all, against a good defense and a really good defensive front, Mac played well, especially given all the circumstances, like the, the lack of reps he's had coming off of the injury, what happened on Monday night against Chicago, the short week. When we talk about his mental toughness and, you know, his ability to kind of put things away and then compartmentalize, I think he showed a lot of that on Sunday. A, a part of it, Greg, was his performance on third down, especially in the first half, as I mentioned a little bit ago, the Patriots were facing, you know, on average, like more than 10 yards to, to gain on third downs in the first half. Yet they were like six for eight at one point, I believe, on third down. What do you see from Mac on those on those pivotal third down plays, especially in that first half? Yeah, I thought he was great overall on third down. Look, it wasn't perfect, and and I will tell you one. So the one play that I had, my it wasn't a, th a third down play. Um, sorry for the tangent here, but I just wanted to uh, point out while it was in my head. The one play that I did have Mac as a, de a definite minus, and there are other plays that people could argue with. If you're a BSJ member, which this is why you pay the 40 bucks for the whole entire year and all the Boston sports so you can know more than your buddies in terms of what's going on with the Patriots. The first throw to Devontae Parker on the slant, you can quibble with that. You can, you know, you you could say that's a minus. It could have been placed better. I still think the coverage was too good. The first and goal that they had where he took a sack it was three point something seconds. Mac has yep. to get rid of the ball, in my opinion. Yep. Now, does he have a built-in excuse? Yeah. He had Hunter Henry one-on-one with, I think, Sauce Gardner. And Sauce Gardner basically hugged Hunter Henry all the way down the field. It should have been <laughs> flagged. It wasn't. And so Mac was, Mac was, he had one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody was helping. He was just waiting for Hunter to break loose. So he kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then it was too late. And when he did have something in the flat, really what he should should have done was either go through with it and just throw it and hope that Hunter Henry dislodges at the last second, which he did. And if he puts it on and it's a touchdown. So I gave him a minus on that play. The third downs, I thought he was great. And I thought that's a big reason why watching it back, I was like, God, he's keeping plays alive. I mean, all of them were at least third and five. All there was so third and ten. One of his best throws, dying throw to Myers coming across the field where he's not open when Mac releases it. That's an elite NFL throw that Bailey Zappi does not make. I'm sorry, he doesn't. Third and 11, look, hat tip to Matt Patricia. 
really nice call. Jacoby Myers coming on a little drag and then actually by design having Hunter Henry and Ramondre Stevenson block down for him so he can get around the corner for the third down. Great design on that. Third and five. Jones had a really good scramble. All his scrambles, I thought, were were the right play. People weren't readily open, and he made plays. Third and five. Stevenson, third and eight. Uh, I didn't give Mac a plus for this. It was 22 yards, but Stevenson's runs the James White arrow route. Um, good call by everybody. Good execution by Stevenson. Another third and five. Good scramble. Third and seven. Um Another good Patricia call where Johnny Smith catches a little check down and runs around the end for a very similar play to the other one. Um, So I thought, yes, I completely agree with you, Nick. One of the reasons why I was more impressed watching it back and getting more context as far as Mac Jones's first half was how good he was on third down, because if they don't come through in a lot of those instances, it could have gotten ugly real quick. Before we get to the defense, let's talk athletic greens. Uh, yes, we should actually do that. And I need to look for my copy for a second, but I have it. <laughs> uh, do to do. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I started taking AG one because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamin and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it um, for a month for like four months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's part of my routine, and I would be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily, daily nutritional insurance. All right, well, when we watch this football game from the Patriots' defensive standpoint, the question is, Greg, how much of it was the Patriots' defense and how much was it Zach Wilson peeing down his leg? Uh, equal parts. Um, you know, I think we, we talked coming into this, this was going to be a battle of um, not good offensive lines and, and, and lines that are dealing with injuries, the Jets more than the Patriots. The Jets are down three starters on the offensive line. And... That was a significant factor. Um, Even Dwayne Brown at left tackle, old man Dwayne Brown, he was not good in this game. And it wasn't like Dietrich Wise was like, you know, Lawrence Taylor or anything like that. He just (laughs) wasn't good. Um, uh, But I think that uh, it was equal parts, you know, because the Patriots did their part. I thought they did it. Look, I think they definitely learned their lessons from the Bears game where they were pretty crappy in terms of – their rush lanes, discipline, defending the edge in the run. Uh, it looks like somebody got that ass this week in meetings because they were on point in this game in terms of 
Uh, they did a really good job pressuring Zach Wilson, but also s- staying in front of him and and getting him to back up and do Zach Wilson things. What you saw on Sunday, Zach Wilson dancing around and going backwards and just throwing the ball, he does that every week. And he did it before a lot more before their winning streak, uh, and especially last year. But he still does it all the time. So that's not unique to the Patriots. Uh, but I did think that they were very disciplined in the rush. They did what they had to do to get Zach Wilson to be bad Zach Wilson. And uh, I thought that was really good. Jabril Peppers. Let, let's talk about him for a minute here. Uh, he got on Sunday 68, I believe, 68% of the snaps or so. Uh, so we saw a lot of Peppers out there. Obviously, Kyle Duggar was out of the game And as we've seen uh, in the past, especially in that Baltimore game, when Kyle Duggar doesn't play, the Patriots have a serious issue defending the tight end position that happened again on Sunday. But what would you make of Jabril Peppers and and what you saw from him? Holy cow. I mean, you know, my first reaction, like watching him on film was, I don't know where the number three guy that was out there in training camp was because that ain't him. Like, did they, did they import somebody else? Um, (laughs) <laughs> is he on some souped up athletic greens or what? Because that dude was flying around the field and with superhuman strength and really fast and like explosive. And I was like, Holy crap. And so I thought he was terrific in this game and it wasn't just the defense. Now it wasn't just the defense. I mean, he had a crushing one-on-one block on the final oh, yeah, baby. final punt return. I mean, he basically suplexed the dude you know more about wrestling than I do. I don't know if that's the correct move. (laughs) Um, He also recovered the onside kick. And so like, it was just, it was a Jabril Peppers game and it was his world and we were all living in it. Now, this is what I'll say about Jabril. Once Kyle Duggar comes back, I haven't figured it out yet. And I'm sure the coaches are trying to figure out and they're a lot smarter than I am about this stuff. But like, how do you fit both of those guys on the field and what do they do? It's just tough because like uh, Jabril definitely has a role on this team, but he's really small. And so like, you'd love to say, all right, he's your sub linebacker. Like, and maybe you do do that in third and long and more instances, but the Patriots are bad enough right now in their zone defense, as far as the, the linebackers and coverage. And, you know, if you put a small safety out there, um, in addition to let the guy throw over the top of him even easier, I think that's a rough go. But um, it's a good it's a good tool to have in the chest for sure. He pancaked. He murdered that dude on the uh, yep. Marcus Jones punt return. He just obliterated him. When watching this game, what still keeps you up at night defensively? So the linebackers in zone coverage, the linebackers in coverage in general, uh, and, and it's all of them. It's Bentley. It's Tavai. It's Raekwon McMillan, who again looked like a chicken with his head cut off. He only played nine snaps, so when he was out there, he didn't know which way was up. Mac Mac Wilson, at least they found him a role like spying Zach Wilson, where it limited the the amount of damage he could do out there. But um, they're really bad in coverage, and you know if they play a mobile quarterback, see, you know I'm sure a lot of people are like, why are they playing zone? Why are they doing this? When you play a mobile quarterback, you have to play more zone than you really want to. The Patriots are a man cover team. They still are. They still do it really well. But if you're facing like a Josh Allen or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, if you play too much man, 
you turn your back when you're playing man, you turn your back to the quarterback. And as soon as they even we've even seen Mac Jones do that sometimes. And he's not he's not um uh Justin Fields or anything like that. As soon as they turn their backs, you re- you can run for 10, 15 yards. And so you have to play zone, you have to keep eyes on the quarterback so you can react to their movement. And the Patriots, um, when they play zone against mobile quarterbacks, they just they they they're not good in coverage. And so um, you know, I that's an issue. I think the run defense is still an issue in terms of gap control and, um, you know, coverage on the tight ends without Duggar out there um, is an issue as far as, you know, what I see so far. All right. So the Patriots at four and four right now, we're four hours away from the trading deadline, Greg. What do you want? What does GM Bedad want the Patriots to do here? Um can they redraft Devin Lloyd in the first round? Um, Cause that's really what I want. I mean, I, I, I want a young, long athletic inside linebacker. And I don't yep. think there are too many of those out there, um, you know, but a guy, you know, so, some sort of athletic off the ball linebacker who can be impactful on that level, you know, Shaq, Shaq Thompson, I've mentioned from the Panthers who might be available. I was talking to some Panthers people and they think he's, he's on the downside that he slowed up. So maybe he's not the answer. It might be an improvement over what the Patriots have. Uh, Albert Breer mentioned Okariki from the Colts that we'll see uh, this weekend. If he's not traded, he was a guy who had a very athletic interception of Mac Jones last year in that game. Um, You know, so that's what I would like to, to see them do. I would like an impact. I'm not looking at the offense. I mean, you know, you would love an offensive tackle, good luck finding any of those guys because they are just yeah they're dead to rights at right tackle right now in terms of both guys unless they can find a way to merge both of them um and uh but i don't think you know in terms of you know everybody every pats fan every trade deadline wants some sort of impact receiver it's just not who they are they have enough pieces you know, I, I would rather them subtract like an Aguilar, if anything. Uh, but now Parker's dealing with a knee injury. Can you really afford to, you know, get rid of anybody? I, I just don't see them doing much. It, maybe, maybe a pass back. If they could find a dynamic, depending on when Ty Montgomery's coming back, even though Stevenson has shown what he's shown, you still need a little bit more explosion, a little bit more reliability there. There's another position that, that Mac Jones has not had the benefit of that Tom Brady did for years, a little, you know, James White out of the backfield, you know, is over reliable. If I'm under pressure from dealing with this, I could just dump it down to James. Mac doesn't have that to deal with. It'd be nice to get him somebody like that. And I would even like a fullback so they can go back, ditch a lot of this one back, no back crap and get back under center and start blasting people. Cause that's really who they are. Their experiment on, on getting more pass happy. It has not gone well. Yeah, I'd go linebacker for sure. Uh, We've talked about that so many times. You know what it is at this point. Offensive tackle, as you said, would absolutely be high on my list. But where are you going to get one of those guys? And maybe defensive tackle, maybe an interior defensive lineman, Barmore's injury. Uh, Those guys have not been as explosive as I had hoped. And and so I wouldn't mind trying to maybe find some, some depth on that defensive line. What do you think the Patriots believe they need? If I if I'm the Patriots, I think, you know, I'm sure 
a lot of people want an edge rusher, but as you've seen the past few weeks, the Patriots have these, you know, they divide up these roles to where Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche are there. And, you know, they're doing an okay job. I mean, they're not Von Miller or anything, but they're doing their job out there. So I don't think, I think the Patriots like their little packages with um, decidedly average players. It's just, look, it's just who they are. All right. And, it's who they're always going to be. I mean, Tavai is fine. He doesn't make any errors, but he also doesn't make any plays. And that's that's the deal with this team. So uh, do I think the Patriots are looking for inside linebacker? No, I don't. I think they're just fine with what they have, which is mediocrity and won't be good enough against the Bills. If I'm, if I'm them, I'm looking at it and saying, uh, I, I think we could use a little bit more help at cornerback. Uh, again, good luck finding that around the league. You know, they're one, they do have some nice pieces. You know, Jalen Mills played better in this game. Jack Jones had some issues in this game. Um, Jonathan Jones is awesome. Oh, the shoulder um, tackle. Oh, the Jack, yes. Can I just bring up the Jack Jones shoulder tackle that almost, I mean, what the hell are we doing in that situation, <laughs> man? Especially, you've got to wrap up. You've got to, you've got to wrap up in that situation. That was brutal. I bet you, Bel- I bet you came to the sideline and Belichick was, was like, "What do you think this is? Effing flag football? Tackle the guy. Use your arms, <laughs> idiot." Um, but yeah, I mean, it was that was brutal. I think they're one injury away from needing um, Marcus Jones. Who I'm sorry, I, I just don't think he's quite ready to have a big role on this team at cornerback. Sean Wade, uh, he hasn't been good when he's been in there. They if they're one injury away from needing a. a for being in trouble at cornerback. So if, if they're looking at their board saying like depth wise, I could see a move for a depth cornerback at the deadline. All right. We got three up three down coming up, but first we've got BetOnline.ag. Football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Bet MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline where the game starts and we got back on the winning side this week. Yeah. Yes, we did. Seven and one now, seven and one, baby. Uh, okay. Three up Greg for you coming off of Sunday against the jets. Okay. Real quick. And these will probably pretty self-evident Ramondre Stevenson boss, Jabril peppers, beast. Goddamn. And you know, I'll (laughs) split it. I have Matthew Judon here. Because he played slightly less snaps, I think. But Judon and Wise, they basically got all the pressure in the game. So uh, those are my three up, four up, whatever. How about the Folk and Kicker, huh? MVP oh, yeah. Nick Folk. The man is a, he's an animal out there, Greg. He's kicking field goals from 42, from 50. Guy is a killer. He's an assassin. Nick Folk's on my list. Three down. Uh, Cole Strange. Um, oh, not good. God got benched, got manhandled. Um, He didn't give up as much pressure as Marcus Cannon, uh, but Cole Strange was worse (laughs) in the running game, so that's why Cole Strange got it instead of Marcus Cannon, who was next. Eight and a half quarterback pressures allowed. Holy cow. Oh, my God. And then Joshua Bledsoe. 
Yeah, and then Joshua Bledsoe, I feel bad. He didn't play a lot of snaps, but he did give up one and a half touchdowns. The first touchdown, great throw and catch, still on him. And then the last touchdown, Miles Bry- I split with him and Miles Bryant. Miles Bryant should have helped a little bit better, but uh, at the end of the day, it was Bledsoe. That was the trickle down from not having Duggar, that Bledsoe had to be in there against uh, against the tight end. Yeah, uh, strange. Oof. Not uh, not ideal, Cole. Not not an ideal he's Sunday had his afternoon two worst, from you, my friend. He's had his two worst games the last two weeks. He's not. It's not. He's not uh, benching potential, but it's something to watch. They pulled him. They pulled him for this game, at least in stretches. So <laughs> they're they're at least contemplating if they have to do that from time to time. All right, let's get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day. Of course, thirty nine ninety nine on the annual plan. Uh, you get all the Boston sports coverage. You get Greg's film. You get Greg's uh, weekly chats as well. What's the question of the day, Greg? So basically, it's like a lot of my members asked. All right, so what the hell do we do with the offensive line at this point? And it's a great question. I'll probably write something more on on it this week as I think a little bit more. But um, I don't think they can sustain with Isaiah Wynn or Marcus Cannon at right tackle. So maybe I'm revisiting the Owenu thing. I'd hate to move him because he's playing. He's the best lineman on the team right now, even though Trent Brown's pretty damn good too. Um, Owenu's certainly been their most consistent line lineman. But in terms of what do I think makes them the best, the best five on the field, I think it might be a Wenu at right guard, win uh, at right tackle, win at right guard. Andrews at center, of course. Strange at left guard. Just coach him up a little bit more. That's where I think a lot of these issues are. Some of them are physical, especially with Marcus Cannon. He's just he's just old. I told I warned you about uh, his foot speed getting out of his uh, getting into his kick slide on pass protection. Sometimes he just can't get to the spot. And that happened at times this weekend where he's just not fast enough. And teams are going to see that on film and they're going to go after it if they stick with him. And uh, and so but I do think some of the issues on this offensive line are coaching related. And this is what you get when you make your offensive coordinator, your offensive line coach as well. Again, my, my criticism is not about Matt Patricia. It's about putting too much on his plate. And we talked about it. You can't do both. You can't be an offensive coordinator and an offensive lineman. There's too much shit going on. And I think Matt Patricia stood a chance to be a good at one of them. But when you combine both of them, you're setting him and the team up for failure. Yeah, somebody told me recently, uh, I've been doing two full-time jobs in Sacramento, and somebody said, you know, you can do two full-time jobs, but can you do two full-time jobs well? That's the question. And can you do both of those jobs well for Matt Patricia? It's a no. So that's absolutely uh, a part of the conversation. I wonder if Kajust can get involved as well. Can, Can he kind of find his way on the field coming back? I don't know. It's it's not a great situation. He's yeah. Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Green, 75 high quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. We'll be back later this week to preview the Colts who just fired their offensive coordinator who doesn't call the plays. Yes, Frank Reich is looking for that scapegoat. Uh, we'll get to that team a little bit later this week. Until then, be good, be safe and be healthy.